Hello and welcome to our podcast named Detours. This podcast embraces the unexpected twists and turns that shapes the journeys of our lives that God sends us down. I'm your host and fellow traveler, Mike. I'm here with my beautiful wife, Deb, and we invite you to join us on this exploration of uncharted territories we encounter along the way. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Detours for episode number four. I am here with my beautiful wife, Deborah. Hi. And we are ready for episode number four. We sure are. This is a good one. Let's recap what we talked about in our last episode. So in the last one, you kind of walked us through the divorce and what happens afterwards. We talked about the five stages of grief, right? So those stages are denial, followed by anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. And we kind of wrapped up the last episode on the topic of acceptance. Right. So where do we go from here? Well, I think we need to circle back to acceptance because in order to get to that stage, you can't really have that without forgiveness. And that forgiveness makes way to accepting all that's happened. And I think there's a lot of misconception around forgiveness. I know for myself, I was kind of trapped in unforgiveness for a long time because I didn't really understand what forgiveness isn't and what forgiveness actually is. And I think we should talk about that today. Yeah, I think we kind of joked even in the last episode, there's going to be a little bit of myth busting. If uh, any of you guys uh, loved that show as much as I did on the Discovery Channel years ago, uh, there's a lot of myths. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of confusion uh, around forgiveness and that topic. So we're going to kind of jump in uh, to give a little foreshadowing. This is going to be a lot of what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Yeah. So, Deb, where do we start? I think we should talk about first what forgiveness isn't because we get kind of trapped in this, well, it has to look a certain way for me to forgive. And so I'd like to kind of start us off with, you know, forgiveness isn't claiming our pain wasn't real. I mean, the fact that we need to forgive is a testament to our our pain being genuine. And just because we have a broken heart doesn't mean that we can't forgive and acknowledge that our heart is still broken. So the heart heals as forgiveness takes place, not the heart heals and then I forgive. I think it's a dual experience. Much like grace and peace, Hmm. right? You always have to experience grace first before you experience peace. Uh, So yeah, this would absolutely fall along those veins. Yeah. So you mentioned that pain isn't, it's not claiming that your pain isn't genuine. Right. So what did that look like for you coming out of your divorce and how did you start taking steps towards forgiveness? Well, I had to acknowledge that one, I was really, you know, I was hurt and those things are not just going to I can't pretend they didn't happen. I have to acknowledge that it still hurts, but forgiveness is a call to action. And forgiveness is not condoning what my ex-husband done did. Um, it's not saying, you know, I'm going to give you permission to say what you did to me was appropriate. I think that's a misconception a lot of times. Is If I forgive them, it's like I'm saying it was okay. No one's saying that. It wasn't okay that he cheated. It wasn't okay that a family was broken from selfish choices. But forgiveness can still happen without condoning. So that was important for me to understand and to kind of break that myth. And I had I had people in my life who would talk through me, talk with me through the pain. That was, you know, wise counsel to that. Plus reading the Bible. Yeah, and I think there there are just so many myths around forgiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the world is losing its ability to forgive. 
I'd much rather cut you out of my life. Right, I'll cancel you. Yeah, I, I'd much rather because if I do that, I don't have to deal with the pain. I'm choosing the easy way out. Understand this, especially when you're dealing with something as deep and intimate and painful as infidelity. Forgiveness is going to be hard. Oh, without a doubt. Forgiveness is going to take time. Mm -hmm. It is the difficult decision a lot of times. Yes, it's a difficult journey, but it has so much payoff to the person who actually forgives. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you're going to have to put in a tremendous amount of work on the front end <laughs> to on the back end be able to enjoy that freedom. Right. Right. And, and I think I've even made mention to it um, in a prior episode, you know, the, the psalm that everybody knows and loves, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. But you have to go through it. And forgiveness can be a, a, valley. a valley because you're bringing back to the surface mm -hmm. all of those wounds, all of that hurt and all of that pain. Um, and, and it's much easier to go, you know what? I just don't need you in my life. I, I have that between two family members in, in our family that I just absolutely adore. And they have chosen not to speak to one another rather than walk down this, this difficult path of forgiveness and they're both Christians. And it, you just sit there and you go, oh, oh man, guys, what, what? The sad part is they're both missing out on the freedom of forgiveness and, and the reconciliation that could come. And not, and not every forgiveness equals reconciliation, but in, I know what you're talking about, and in that case, it would. And that would be so beautiful. It, it would be, but it is the difficult decision. You yeah. have to sit down. For them, they could easily sit down and have a difficult conversation. But again, once you, once everybody says everything they need to say, uh, and and perspectives are given, and so on and so forth, if you could just hug and forgive and and continue to forgive, mm -hmm. that area of the family would be completely restored. And and it's it's sad when people don't want to roll up the sleeves and get in the muck and mire and say, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight for this. I'm going to fight for forgiveness right. because I don't want to have to carry this burden the rest of my life. Right. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. And you also mentioned that forgiveness is not condoning. So do you mind kind of going a little bit deeper there? Well, we are talking about the divorces. So me forgiving my ex-husband doesn't condone the fact that he, cheated he lied he he really did hurt not just me but our kids and i'm by forgiving him i'm not saying that those behaviors uh were right in any way shape or form i don't think anyone in their right mind would say what you did to me was right and just what you did was injustice um and i can't change those decisions he made them, and they had lasting consequences in my life and my kid's life. So that's what I say when I'm not condoning. And I think that's a misconception to forgiveness. If I forgive, that means what they did to me was okay. And that is not, I, I lived in that for a long time, and that's not true. Yeah, and it's, we have to remember that, that God is the righteous judge. Mm -hmm. And if you can trust that he'll deal with it fairly in his time, so on and so forth, you, if you can trust God with these kinds of hurts, you're well on your way to a path of peace with Christ. Um, I fully believe that next to your salvation, salvation comes through faith next to your salvation, peace is the next greatest gift that God gave us, is having peace with him. And you're right, it, it's not condoning it. Mm -hmm. It's not saying it's right, but it's saying, God, I'm, acknowledge your feelings, like, like kind of point number one, my pain is genuine. Yeah. And I hurt so much that 
God, I'm I'm not condoning this, but I'm going to let you be the righteous judge because you know what? Your ex-husband, Jesus does want to save him too. Oh, 100%. And it, Jesus has so many plans if 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 he would just repent. Repent absolutely mm-hmm. and come to Jesus. That would be such a glorious thing. And and you know, to the audience, yes, we're we're sitting here and we're saying these things, and it it may come across casually, but it's because de- how long ago was your divorce? Gosh, you're talking. How long is it now? Twenty seven, sixteen, twenty fifteen. Okay, so at the time we're recording this, it's roughly eight years. Mm-hmm. And we, if it sounds casual to you guys, it, it number one. It's because it's become that way, right? You've gone through... Longer than that, 2012. I'm so 20, sorry. 2012. Okay, yes. so we're now 11 years. Yes. At the time of this recording, we're 11 years removed. You've gone to multiple classes where lots you have grieved lots of counseling. Yes. So if you're going through this at this very moment, please don't feel like we aren't relating with you and we don't understand... We're just. We're on a different side of it. At this we're point. exactly. Yeah. Um, this is yeah. This is very real, and I I, I kind of wanted to to just make that point because I think sometimes people can listen to a Christian podcast and you know you, you talk about forgiveness and so on and so forth, but it comes across so casually, and it's brushed off so quickly that people don't maybe the gravity of right. forgiveness isn't necessarily seen. Mm-hmm. But it is because you have written letters in your counseling, and we're going to get into this uh, either in this episode or another episode. Right. You've written letter- letters, excuse me, uh, to your ex-husband of forgiveness, and I mean, you've done so much to reach this point. Oh yeah, it didn't uh, happen overnight, and it took uh, consistently asking God for healing because there was a lot of other things in my life that needed to be healed other than the the pain of divorce. But it was all just coming up to the surface as um, one big tidal wave. So, you know, at this point, I can look back and go, wow, that was a really hard, long season. But you have to do that hard work to get to the other side. And that's the part where people don't necessarily want to to swim those waters because they're deep and they're treacherous and, and it's like you're in a storm. And so it takes some time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's intimidating. You, you start going to, to counseling and you go to some of these, anybody that's ever gone through a 12 step process, maybe eight of those 12 steps are easier for you, but there are four that are just really difficult. You, you know, whatever, everybody's journey is different, right. but there's going to be st- stops along the way Gosh, no doubt there's the fourth step in most 12-step programs which is to take a fearless moral inventory of yourself do you know how hard that that is oh my (laughs) goodness that that's intimidating and they use fearless moral inventory because they know that you really have to you have to dig apart all the denial and all the i'm okay i'm not that bad someone else is worse than me you have to really dig deep to get to that moral inventory, and that that's really hard. Yeah, and you hear you hear with forgiveness. You hear some people say forgive and forget. You have a lot. We both have a lot to say on something like I that. Do. I think that's one of those phrases that comes out of flippancy. People say that all the time. Forgive and forget. And and granted, that sounds really easy to do. And if it was everybody would have, you know, a life free of, you know, pain. I mean, if I could forget everything that happened, great. But um, I don't believe forgiveness is forgetting. I don't believe we're wired that way. I believe that we can choose to not hold that offense against somebody. We can make that choice, but our brain is not wired to remove a thought or remove a pain like that. I mean, I've experienced some very traumatic things in my life. And as much as I would love to forget them, they're still there. And I have to make a choice 
to not hold that offense against somebody. And that's that's one of those, you know, so much about Christianity is a choice. Oh, yeah. Christianity itself is a choice, mm-hmm. for, first and foremost. And, and forgiveness is another one of those things. That, that absolutely is a choice. I, I remember when I was going through my trials, we, we, ironically, our timelines of trials in our lives, you were going through your divorce, I was going through a breakup and a loss of a job and so on and so forth. We were going through them at the same time. And when I was going through it, when we were going through these things, the movie Frozen had just come out <laughs> and every one of my friends, anyone that I talked to about what I needed to, you know, whatever emotional questions and turbulence I was going, everybody said, let it go. And they would, they would literally break into the song oh, of Lord. Frozen. And, and I will never forgive Disney for that, number one. <laughs> oh my gosh, because it, it, it's so... It's it it's flippant. You're not taking seriously what someone is going through. Don't you can't just sit there and say let it go, just forgive and move forget. on. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't. It, that's not how it works. Forgiveness is a process, and the deeper the wound, you may have to to say and pray about this a thousand times yep. before forgiveness really starts to sink in. Oh, for sure. I can attest to that. Yeah. So the the deeper the wound, the deeper you're going to have to to swim. The the more treacherous the waters are going to be. Um, but yeah, forgiveness is not forgetting. In in the Bible, there's a lot of different quotes about you know God doesn't remember your sin when you repent. He 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 chooses not to remember. He doesn't right. forget. And, and that's a big difference between us and, and God is we're always going to remember on some level mm-hmm. that that pain and that wrongdoing that was done to us. But if that person repented of that and approached God and said, what about X? He, he would say, what are you talking about? Right. Where, you know, Deb Marsalisi or Mike Snyder is going to sit there and, and, you know, go, well, yeah, this this absolutely happened. But to an earlier point, you know, we forgave. We're not condoning it. It did happen. Right. But we chose the more difficult path to forgive. Right. Um, yeah, we remember. And so, a lot of times we can learn from being wounded. Sometimes it's out of our, our own naiveness. Uh, in, in some instances and in others, it's not. Um, but it's definitely not forgetting. Uh, and the next thing that we kind of wanted to talk about just because it was so it, it it's so big with today's culture yeah it is this word feeling right forgiveness is not a feeling if you're waiting to feel forgiveness you may never get there forgiveness yeah. is a choice and you know the bible teaches us that our heart is deceitful above all things i think it says it in jeremiah 17 9 our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked who could trust it so for waiting to feel forgiveness before we start the process we could be waiting a long time yeah and feelings have become a hindrance well feelings in our culture have become facts and feelings are not facts yeah feelings are very fickle they come and go they're typically based on circumstances. They are not facts. They are feelings. You know, feelings can be wrong. Oh, for sure. <laughs> right. I mean, how many? Every single person out there. It's, you know, very few people have gotten married to like a, a high school sweetheart or something. But we've all experienced that dopamine rush, getting into a relationship or chasing after someone that it. It, you know, if we could step back and, and look at the situation, okay, that's a toxic relationship. I probably shouldn't pursue this, but my feelings are going, hey, she's pretty cute. I think I want to, you know, get that phone number and uh, make a phone get call. So, yeah, get those digits. <laughs> darn right. But th- that's all based on feelings. And that, you know, what's what's so tough about the younger generation right now, you scroll through Facebook and you're getting feelings, you're watching videos, you're seeing pictures. We've associated 
politics with feelings. Mm-hmm. We've associated women's rights with fe- all of these feelings. And then all of a sudden you're supposed to shut off your phone, shut off the television, shut off your source of feelings and pray to Jesus and you don't get any feeling. Hmm. And it's it, it's so interesting to me because the, the youth, because they don't necessarily feel something. They think it's not real. They think it's not real. Right. Because they associate feelings with facts. And that's just not the case. And we are called to live above our feelings. I mean, think about all the disciples. They, I mean, think about all the things that they saw and all the persecution that was coming their way they could have felt fear and anxiety and you know i don't know what's going to happen but people are getting their heads chopped off what's going to happen but they they knew the facts they knew that jesus had resurrected they they walked with him they talked with him they knew he was god in flesh so regardless of what their feelings were telling them they they knew the facts they knew they were going after jesus and so I think we have to really make a concerted effort to live by faith, not by feelings. And one of the, the things, uh, so let me ask you, coming out of marriage number two, one of the feelings that you'll hear people talk about is they felt like they were a doormat. Did you talk to me about that? Coming out of your, your marriage with Mike, what what was that like? I I think that that's a misconception about forgiveness. No one ever really said to me, gosh, you're being a doormat for forgiving him. I've had people say, wow, you're actually going to forgive that. Um, I think forgiving somebody doesn't mean that there aren't boundaries that you have to put in place. Because without the boundaries, you, you very well could become a doormat to somebody. There has to be clear cut, this is okay, and this is not okay. This is what I will accept from you and your behavior, and these are the things I will not accept from you. So as I you know left that marriage and I entered into the dating realm, I had to make very clear what my boundaries were and what was okay and what's not okay. And I think boundaries really cross all kinds of relationships. You need to have boundaries at work. You need to have boundaries in friendships. You need to have boundaries with your children, with your spouse, with just about everyone. And one of the areas where you got lucky, you've mentioned even in today's episode, your kids. What we need to explain to the audience was you and Mike didn't have kids together. Right. You had your son, son Anthony, coming into the relationship. And to make it even more confusing, <laughs> my name is Mike. Your ex-husband's name is Mike. <laughs> your ex-husband's son, was his name was Anthony also. So yes. there's lots of Mikes and there's lots of Anthonys just because we want to confuse Clarify. you guys. <laughs> but th- that, luckily, that worked to your benefit because... You didn't have kids together, so there is no more need to continue any level of relationship between the two of you, but that could get really sticky if you're sharing custody of kids. Mm -hmm. uh, We have a very dear friend um, who went through a divorce about a year ago whose ex-husband just, just, she had to set up boundaries. There were times where she did, there were times where she didn't, but you can convince yourself, hey, this isn't crossing a boundary when in reality it is, especially when kids are involved, because oh, yeah. that's the that's the father of my children or that's the, the mother of my children. Right. And you can start to create excuses. And that's when the doormat can come in, that that connotation. So we, you know, we definitely got very lucky and, and you got very lucky that you and Mike didn't have kids together. I agree. But I did have a son with, you know, my high school boyfriend um, that there were times as he was the dad, you know, he, he was, well, let me rephrase. He was, he was a father. He wasn't necessarily a dad and he definitely made it difficult to forgive him because of his behavior 
and he would consistently hurt me and my son. So now I'm I'm upset for me and my son. So yeah, it takes a lot more work when you're dealing with someone who is actively um, not behaving in a way that is healthy. You know, I did have that benefit of like severing all ties with marriage number two. And it was, it was truly a blessing. We really had nothing left to share with each other. Yeah. So, so talk to me more about things with, with marriage number two. Okay. Trust. Oh yeah. Trust. How do you get back to a place of trust? How, how to trust and forgiveness how do they dance? How, how do they do this maneuver back and forth? Because you have to get back. If you want to have a healthy relationship with any one of the opposite right. sex and even your own you know, same gender, you have to forgive mm-hmm. so that you're capable of reaching trust again at some right. point. Well, okay. So forgiveness is unconditional in the Bible. We are called to forgive. Trust is earned. Trust is something that I have to see a, a repentant heart. I have to see that um, you are making strides of repentance for me to trust you again. I mean, even if you think about, gosh, Joseph and his brothers, you know, they sell him into slavery. They did him dirty. He, they basically told his dad he was dead. When he became, you know, the highest ranking man in the kingdom and they came to him for food, he put in a, it was either silver or gold, cup into their bags and sent them on the way to see if they were going to, you know, be liars again, to see if they were going to deceive again. And he needed to test those waters. He needed to see that they could earn his trust again. He didn't just blindly give his trust again. I mean, although forgiveness is supposed to be unconditional, we are supposed to forgive our enemies. Trust is a whole nother story, and and you have to earn trust. And I had lots of struggle with trust. I had a lot of hard times trusting men again, for sure. Um, Even when when we dated, I struggled with just trust in general because I was still very hurt. I had no business um, not dealing with that part of my heart. And going out to date. You know what I mean? And God how, told me I wasn't ready. And he was right. I wasn't. I had to deal with that. <laughs> and, and and that was how many years between, you know, Mike and, and our first date? Seven, eight. So you, you still, after seven or eight years, were, were working through trust. Well, yes. And I had a lot of issues with trusting men from early childhood. So it wasn't just the ex-husband or even the previous husband. It was just there was an ongoing pattern of my life where um, men had deeply, deeply hurt me. And I, I realized, you know, now looking back, I was, I was trying to um, protect myself from all that I've ever known of men. Yeah, and, and, and trust, you know, certainly from the relationships that I've seen that ended in divorce, so many times promises are made and all it takes is a little bit of time Mm. to see whether or not that promise holds any water. Yep. So, you know, men, we, we, there are times when we have a tendency to sit and over promise and under deliver Mm. on you know, maybe ways that we're going to change or things that we're going to do for you, you know, and, and, and it takes, it just takes a little bit of time. Just th- this is where patience can be so critical. Oh yeah. Because if you're capable of showing patience and stepping out of all of the feelings and just assess the reality of what's happening you can save yourself years of heartache going, okay, I, I've seen this song and dance. This person can't be trusted. It's now time to cut this person out of my life as much as possible. If you're sharing children, you can't always do that. But 
there are a lot of situations where you're just so much healthier to completely sever those ties. And to your point, trust is earned. How much are you, are, are you willing to be self-sacrificial for my benefit? When, when relationships reach the end, a lot of times that answer is no, because we're so overcome by feelings. How I've been hurt. Am I right. front of mind? That, yeah, patience, patience can really help in that trust area. Mm-hmm. Um, Time even, reveals all things. Yeah, and especially if you have a child and you're getting into a new relationship. Yeah. Take your time. Time is going to show what that new person. Yeah. Is that, what is the character of this person? Are they willing, if you set up your boundaries, like you were saying earlier, these are the boundaries. This is, you know, what I want to do to protect my kids, so on and so forth. Part of that should be the gift of time. Time really is a gift, especially when it comes to forgiveness. It can take years and years to truly know and understand what it is to forgive someone. And we serve a patient God. He is patient with us, but seek and you will find. Mm -hmm. You will find that forgiveness. You will find that peace. So um, I think the, the hardest journey is that 18 inches between your head and your heart. Because there are a lot of times in my experience where my head was ready to forgive but my heart wasn't and i or i thought i was forgiving and really my heart revealed differently and it's that connection sometimes you don't get that connection right away it'd be great if your head and heart were in line and you're like yes i'm i'm forgiving and sometimes that just doesn't happen right away that's when you take that step of faith and go okay god i know intellectually that you call me to forgive So I am going to step out in faith and do that. I am going to trust that eventually you'll allow my heart to line up with my faith. Because sometimes it doesn't. Because like we said earlier, the heart is deceitful. You know, the heart holds on to things. But my faith tells me I'm supposed to forgive. Lord, I want to honor you in this. I, I want to do what you want me to do. But my heart is not there yet. My head's there. And I still have someone in my life that I grapple with that over and over again. And I have to keep coming back to, no, Lord, I gave it to you. It's at the foot of the cross. I'm going to trust that eventually I'll, I'll feel completely free. And that takes time. And, and the beautiful thing is God understands that it's going to take us time. It takes him no time at all. For him, it takes a repentant heart. Mm. And instantaneously you're forgiven. But for us on this side of heaven, it does take time. It just takes time and consistency. Consistency is key Mm -hmm. when it comes to forgiveness. And I think another misconception is that, and this is on the other side, the unforgiveness somehow gives you power, like you're in control, you know, and it's, it's such a lie. It's, it's, it enslaves us. By me holding on to my unforgiveness for as long as I did, I felt like, well, at least I'm in control. No one's going to hurt me. I'm going to be okay. But really what I did was I enslaved myself in, in bitterness. And that's not an easy thing to admit, but that's the reality. Like, it didn't give me any control. As a matter of fact, it shackled me. Like, I was in handcuffs. It's like anger. Oh, yeah. Anger, it's easier. It seems like I have control when I'm angry. But in reality, you've you've lost control. Very true. So similar in that way. Um, So one of the other myths that we wanted to bust about forgiveness is forgiveness does not always lead to reconciliation. That's right. It doesn't. I wish it did, but that's not the case. There are times where... um, realize that the person that you've forgiven is not a healthy or safe person. Um, And it doesn't mean that we're going to reconcile that relationship to the way it once was. There's a difference. It's a, I don't know, like I said earlier, the offender needs to repent 
and show consistency in their behavior for trust to be earned, therefore reconciliation to be safe. And sometimes it just isn't. Yeah, reconciliation is an equation with two variables. Yes. Two, two centers are involved in reconciliation where forgiveness, you hope it's two ways, but it can absolutely exist as a one-way street. Mm-hmm. Your your ex husband is a perfect example where he 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 didn't he has yet to come to Christ to our knowledge anyway. Right. Um, so there is no repentance there, and and so that that ship has long sailed. Mm-hmm. There are people out there where there can absolutely be repentance. There there's many a healthy marriage where where someone slipped up. Uh, many a healthy friendships where there's been deep arguments and deep deep hurts and deep wounds, but that reconciliation, but it was because both parties were involved. It was genuine and they went through that process. Yeah, that's a good point. So another myth, I believe this is the last myth that we're going to bust before we get into what, uh, what forgiveness is, is holding on to unforgiveness is not powerful. We, we, we mentioned it briefly earlier just a few minutes ago, yeah. Yeah, but it, it does not give us control. Um, it, it's very deceiving. It is. I think denial can be very seducing. I think you can convince yourself that, you know, you have some power by putting up a wall. I mean, it's it's a survival mechanism, and most people at some point in their life will throw up a wall because, you know, in our brokenness, that's how we... We guard ourselves, but that wall does not give us freedom. That wall traps us. Have you ever been stuck behind a large brick wall and tried to scale it? It's it's impossible. And that's what unforgiveness is. So now that we know what forgiveness is not, let's get a little bit of a picture, actually a big picture of what forgiveness is. I think forgiveness is in a tremendous act of courage. Um, I think it's strength. And I think what people need to understand about courage is, you know, courage is the ability to be strong in the midst of pain, in the midst of grief, and in the midst of fear. I mean, you, you can't have courage if you weren't overcoming fear. And I just, I, I love Franklin Roosevelt's, uh, he has a really famous quote. Courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the judgment that something else is more important than fear. So the, the fear of letting go, the fear of forgiving is so, you know, when we let go of that, it takes courage. It takes courage to overcome the pain and the grief and say, you know what? for the sake of my sanity, for the sake of my heart, for the sake of my other relationships, I'm going to walk in forgiveness. It's courageous. Yeah, it, it's, you know, when when you have a physical, you know, something happened to you, maybe you're a police officer and you get shot and you have to go into rehab. Mm-hmm. It is the courage to go into that rehab and go through those painful exercises and that consistency because you're understanding what's on the other side. I, I served in convalescent ministry. That's where you just go into retirement homes. And so many times, um, you know, the the elderly people that were there, they just, they didn't want to go into rehab. They just, they, they, they just didn't like the fact that it hurt. Aww. It would hurt their knees. It would hurt their hips. It would hurt whatever, you know, whatever they were working on. And they just did not want to go into that rehab facility on floor number one and go through that pain. But if you don't, you you know, they, they a lot of them were bound to wheelchairs because mm. they didn't. And that does take courage to sit there and go, you know what, this is going to hurt and I'm going to face it. And because of that, I'm going to turn and face that fear. I'm going to turn and face that pain but that's, it's necessary. I'm going to be better off for it. I know on the other side that I'm, you know, if, if, again, if I'm a police officer, I've been shot in the hip. I know I'm going to go through these exercises because I want to walk again. 
but you have to go through that pain. Yeah. And to your point, without fear, there is no courage. Right. It's the yin and the yang. It, it has to be there. Right. So looking at someone that has hurt you so deeply, an ex-husband, a child that's betrayed you, a, a friend that hurt you in a way that only that friend could, the strength and the courage comes with forgiveness. Right. Not holding on to that grudge. Yeah, and I, I think there's a, a weight that we carry, which is kind of the next point, is we carry, we let go of the weight of someone else's offense. That is forgiveness. We we let go of, it's heavy. It's heavy to carry around all the pain. We don't think, I mean, I didn't think it was heavy for years until one day, like, the weight of it bore down on me, and it was more than I could bear. I'm thinking, gosh, in one of the classes we took, we were to take stones and write every offense, every pain that we had for a particular event. And then we were to put it in our backpack and carry it until the next week when we met. I want to talk about it like a reality check. So forgiveness is like being free of that weight of carrying someone else's offense. It, it's uplifting, honestly. Yeah, I had a professor, very similar uh, example as yours. I, I had a professor in college that um, had a container and slowly started filling the container with water. And you were supposed to hold it at, at shoulder height. You were supposed to hold it out directly in front of you, this container. Mm-hmm. And he would slowly start filling that container with water. Uh, and, and it was very much a similar situation. Wouldn't you much rather dump out the water? Yeah. Like, why do you want to hold on to this? The longer you stood there, the more your arm hurt, the heavier it got. And That's a great picture. It, it, it is, because you sit there, and, and people that have held on to unforgiveness for so long, you just kind of want to walk up to them and just go, why don't you just dump the water out? Don't you want to dump the water out? It's so much lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're finite beings. There's only so much we can do. And if you allow all these hurts and all these things to start taking up so much space in your life, no wonder this world has lost its joy. For sure. Even Christians were supposed to be the most joyful of all. And yet, how many times you meet a miserable Christian and you're like, really? But you have Jesus. Why are you so joyless? (laughs) <laughs> and we, yeah, and we all know those, yeah. yes, and those loveless Christians or those joyless Christians, and you're just like, wow, it's not a great representation of Christianity. But it, it again, Christianity is a difficult road. Oh yeah, look at what's happening to this world, what's happening in our school system, what's happening in our country, what's happening outside this country. For us to choose peace in a world like this is a difficult thing. It's counterculture. Completely counterculture. And to choose forgiveness is counterculture. For sure. It's completely counterculture. Because our feelings say, don't forgive. Cut them out. That's what at least the media and, and so many people are buying into that. And that's becoming feeling. Yeah. So, you know, and, and, and that's where another one of the, the, the points that we want to make of what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is a decision. It is. it is a choice. You're choosing to take the higher, more difficult road because, because in the end, it is lighter. It is a lighter burden to carry. Mm-hmm. So understand that forgiveness is a choice. It is. And what people don't always want to hear, because it's difficult to hear, is forgiveness is a command. We don't like that word command. Don't tell me what to do. Well, Jesus kind of gets to tell you what to do. He's in that business. <laughs> yeah. For a reason. And, I mean, he's not asking us to do anything he's not willing to do himself. Like, he forgave us of all of our wickedness and rebellion and, like, 
self-sacrificed and said, I will take your sin burden on myself and you are forgiven and you are cleansed and you are washed clean. Now go do the same. Now we can't take someone's sin burden, but he's commanding us to forgive so that we can rightly represent his heart towards humanity. That's hard, but if we love him, we will do what he says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? I mean, that quote from Jesus gets me in the heart every time, and it's such a great conviction for me. I, I have heard it often in my walk with Jesus. God will remind me, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? And I'm like, okay, okay, you are Lord, <laughs> you know? So it is a command. So, so let me ask you a question. Sometimes your feelings or your intentions to forgive aren't always in sync. Right. What was that like for you coming out of divorce? How did you, how did God help you with that? Well, I can tell you a few things that I, I learned along the way. One was I originally put myself in divorce care. Now, listen, if it's helpful for some people and it's not helpful for everyone. And for me, my experience was there were people in there so angry about the injustice that had happened to them. And rightly so. I mean, their stories were similar to mine and even some were very much worse than mine. But that anger fueled my anger. And it did not help me to be in an environment where everyone was raging. Now, there were other groups that met that night that weren't raging that I could have chose to go to. But I think it's important to not allow other people to fuel the injustice. So if you have friends that are constantly saying, he did you wrong and you have a right to be angry and you have a right to, yes, okay, I get that you want to be on my side. But what I need you to do is be on the side of Jesus and help me walk through that. Um, Yes, it was an injustice for sure. And I was able to find friends who empathized with the pain, but always brought me back to Jesus. Always brought me back to, yes, you have a right to feel hurt, but let's walk through what Jesus wants us to do in these situations. And they would counsel me. So that was that was really how, how helpful it was to have godly friends. And that, that was so obvious to me with our, our friend that that recently got divorced the group of friends focused more on you deserve better you should get out into the dating field now and find someone that is ready to treat you the way that you need to be treated and they they told her what she probably wanted to hear and not okay, let, let's go through this together and bring you back to Jesus. Bring you back to reality. Yes, what was done to you, no one deserves that. And you deserve so much better. But that are, so much better was wait for Jesus, not go find another man. And, and deal with... The pain. Yes, deal with and 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 pain. In in in, if you were to go on a dating website or talk to someone, it's often referred to as baggage. That that's one of those big bags, but we all carry that bag. Mm-hmm. Every single one of us has baggage. Baggage for sure. It's just how much is crammed into that suitcase because <laughs> it's something that when you unzip it, it all just goes <laughs> exploding out of the suitcase, hitting the walls. Or is it nightly, you know, nicely, neatly packaged in there? You know, we all have those neat freak friends that when they travel, everything's folded properly, right? So that that is what we're talking about here is that difference. Um, and, and, and so many people focus, yeah, oh, you deserve this. And we don't deserve Jesus. Right. We don't. That's very true. We don't. But yet... He was patient with us. He was long-suffering, and he died for us. And he loves us. And so you hang your hat on that, 
and you begin to find your identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. And because he forgave us first, we need to work on forgiving. Yeah. And it's it's so freeing mm-hmm. when you're able to do that. It, it, it's so much freedom. You, you don't have to avoid eye contact with someone that's hurt you. You don't have to go through life avoiding that person or not wanting to have a conversation. You can just live life. Yeah. And, you know, I think people think I've held on to this unforgiveness. This person must still be, like, hurting like I'm hurting. A lot of times that person has long forgot you, has long forgotten the pain that they've put you through. And you're the one still holding on. So the forgiveness is really the freedom for for you to be free. And I think that last point I wanted to make about forgiveness is forgiveness is twofold. It's not just forgiving um, the offense, but it's forgiving the impact that the offense had in your life. There's a ripple effect. You throw a stone in a still lake, you're going to get a ripple. So... Yes, I forgive you for cheating, but that cheating had consequences in my life, in my kid's life. It had a ripple. I am also forgiving that. And sometimes that's sometimes that part takes a, a little bit longer because the consequences are longer. It has more of a lasting effect. So in the process of forgiving, it's really, in my experience, it's been twofold. I forgive you for what you did, but I also forgive you for what that offense did in my life, the consequences, what it made me think about myself, what it made me think about men, what did it make me think about God. There was a ripple effect that needed to be forgiven. Um, And I think when people go into it um, with an open, like, okay, there's more to this than you cheated, and now I forgive you. Because it's going to take a lot longer to get to forgiveness because all those consequences still come up. So you have to recognize, okay, there's more to this than just the surface. Yeah. And I think there's one more thing that I'd like to talk about. And and it's just because this is what the cross is. The cross is forgiveness. What does that mean? What does that translate you to? The last thing to me forgiveness is, is forgiveness is going to cost something. Mm -hmm. In order for you and I to be forgiven of our sins, Jesus had to die on the cross. Cost him everything. It cost him everything. So don't think for one second that you're going to be able to forgive someone and it not cost you something. That's again why it's a difficult road. So many people don't want to give something up. They don't want to give up their right to judge. They don't want to give up. The list is endless. Everybody has a different excuse. Forgiveness is costly. It will absolutely cost you something but Jesus gave his very life to provide that to us mm-hmm. and we're called to be like him and and so you know as we kind of wrap up this episode this this is a, a part of the journey a part of the detour that this is a long detour that well if it's a deep wound it's a long detour yeah it's going to be pray through the whole thing, process. I mean, what advice, what what did you learn in all your forgiveness journey, you know, whether it's with, with your ex-husband, uh, ex-husband number, number one or number two, just any time that someone has hurt you, what are some of the things that you have learned? That, that is there anything that we haven't talked about yet? Gosh, there's probably a lot we haven't talked about, but... For the sake of time, I'll give you a couple of points that really helped. Um, When you stop looking at that person as the enemy and start looking at that person as a creation of God, um, that they, they have a God that wants to call 
himself father to them. I, I that humanizes the pain and the evil that's been inflicted when you recognize he's God's creation, she's God's creation, crafted and wound like in their mother's womb, God crafted them with his own hands. And that helps to humanize the the pain. Um, I would also say in the process is be in the word. The word washes washes you clean because it's the renewing of the mind that is going to defeat the lies that the enemy is going to come at you with. You deserve better. You did, you know, the lie of... Um, why should you forgive this person? They're nothing but X, Y, and Z. So you're going to get a series of lies from the devil. And the way you defeat those lies is being in the word. And then I would also say um, you really need to have that trusted couple of friends that are more concerned about your faith and your walk with Jesus than your comfortability. Because life is not comfortable, and if you have only friends that are going to tell you what you want to hear, those are not friends. A true friend would sacrifice the friendship for the sake of your betterment, for the sake of you walking closely with Jesus. I'll tell a friend, hey, you know, you're not going to want to hear this from me, but this is what the Bible says, and I would love to help you process through this. Have I lost friendships from that? Yes, but those are the kind of friends I surround myself with. I want people that are going to help me walk closer to Jesus, even if that makes me uncomfortable. And and that's that can be almost as difficult or even more difficult <laughs> than forgiveness is finding friends that will speak that way to you. Yeah. Number two, are you open to what they have to say? You could absolutely have those people in your life, and you're sitting there, and you want nothing to do. You don't want to listen. Oh, yeah. I I remember an interview with Elon Musk. Somebody somebody asked him, what's the most difficult thing about your job? And they were expecting, you know, some answer about rockets or, you know, solar, this, that, and the other. And he said, no, it's, it's, I cannot surround myself with yes men. I have to find people that are willing to, 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 speak the truth at me and if I design something or if I do something dumb they need to tell me and I need to listen to them so that's one of the smartest men on the planet was sitting there in a a similar type of situation going what's the hardest thing about your life and about being Elon Musk and what you do and his answer was very similar along the same vein people that are going to be truthful and tell you what's going on and you need to receive that. And that that can absolutely be true with forgiveness. Uh, to your point is finding those friends that always bring you back to Jesus and what the word says. Don't yeah. go off of feelings. Yeah. Go open your Bible and see what, what it says about forgiveness. Yeah. And you want those friends to be tender. It's very important to speak the truth in love. But the truth needs to be present. And the truth needs to bring you back to the truth. Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been episode number four. We have been talking about forgiveness uh, when coming out of deep wounds. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. It sure has. Uh, We will be back in our next episode. I know that you have a letter that you wrote to your ex-husband that was part of your forgiveness journey. We're going to get to that at some point. Uh, We've got uh, funny stories about you taking yourself out on a date afterwards. We're going to get into singleness, uh, singleness in the church. We got a lot of good stuff that's coming up. So uh, stay tuned, guys. We will see you every other Monday uh, on our podcast and radio show. But for now, this is Mike and Deb. We say thanks so much. We will see you guys next time. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to Detours. For more content, you can find us on Spirit FM Radio, Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Play, or on our website at detours.life. To view my writings or to contact me for public speaking engagements, visit my website at debmarsalisi.com.